first, a message from our sponsor. Input. Output. Hi, this is Input Output, and I'm your host, Mark Yarm. Today on the Input Output podcast, we've got a pair of stories about 2020's top pastime, gaming. But before we begin today's show, some sad news. The Input Output podcast is going on an indefinite hiatus, so this will be the last episode for the foreseeable future. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank our audio engineer, Serge Z, the folks who operate behind the scenes, Nicole D'Alessandro and Chelsea Zamania, our weekly guest hosts, Ryan Houlihan and Joshua Topolsky, and all of the many folks we've had on the show along the way. But don't despair, the archive of past episodes will always be available on InputMag.com. One of the biggest draws since Stadia came out is the fact that you can play it on just about any screen from Chrome on a Mac or on Windows or on a Chromebook to your phone to tablets to all sorts of devices. It's been really cool to be able to bounce back and forth between all of them in order to play your favorite games. But there are a couple devices that have been left out of that fray since the beginning and those include very popular devices like this, the Apple iPad and iPhones. But Google has done what Google does best and looked to the web to find a workaround to get Stadia working on iPad and iPhone. And we want to show you how to get it set up for yourself. Google has just launched its Stadia gaming platform on iOS and iPadOS, making it the first major game streaming service available for Apple's ecosystem. To work around Apple's App Store regulations, the company has been forced to produce a progressive web app, and it works perfectly. Here are InputMag.com editor Ryan Houlihan and editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky discussing the news. In other giant tech monopoly news, Stadia, Google's video game streaming experiment, is finally out on iOS so that Apple users can give it a try. Obviously, Apple users can finally play a game. Yeah, Apple users can finally play a game. <laughs> Obviously, Apple has some draconian app store rules that do not allow for game streaming services or whatever. Essentially, Apple wants to sell games through its app store, and it really doesn't like the idea of you having well, an unlimited exactly, subscription to games. I mean, this is exactly the issue with Apple's whole deal with the way that they are moderating their stores i mean i mean it comes down to honestly i really think the government should step in and say you have the right to run whatever code you want on whatever computer you own and it doesn't matter there really should be a law which is like if you buy a computer and you want to run something on it you're allowed to and nobody can stop you and you can it's like i can run whatever i want on my apple laptop you give me a little warning now you're like hey oh that's not official it's like okay still but i'm gonna install it and run it my entire life, I've survived running applications on computers that nothing has killed me. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know of any Android phones that have become sentient serial killers because someone it's installed like, an app. Most people, most basic ninety-nine percent of people. Yeah, it, this has to end. It's ridiculous on every platform. It needs to be like if you want to put an application on a computer you own. There should be nothing stopping. And I believe it's this. Absurd. I believe this about game consoles too. I really do believe you should go after piracy if you want to go after piracy. But if I want to run an app on my PS5 or my Xbox that is a homebrew app or a photos app or a third-party game store, whatever. Yeah. Exactly. On the piracy piece, don't tell me that you can't create a way for the system to know if it's running something that is 
pirate it. Also, like you definitely can. frankly, you've not, you haven't stopped piracy yet. It doesn't seem like it's, it's been. But working. it's really simple. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to pirate on your PS5, it's it's going to take a lot of effort. You have to be really invested and in it. And someone is going to eventually do it. But, but again, 99% of users no aren't one, interested. No normal person. I mean, let me put you this way. I could have pirated Tenet, okay? But instead, I bought the hunk of shit for $20 and watched it on, on my Apple TV the whole time going, I can't believe they let this person make this movie. And you know what? It's fine. I did what they wanted me to do. I spent my money. But it's like, I do think this is crazy. I think we're in a crazy situation where my phone can create like the most photorealistic AR in the world. But if I want to put an emulator app on it, Apple's like, nope, sorry, you're not allowed. It's like, okay, why? Because you think it'll make the phone perform worse? Well, that's my choice. I can do, it's like, it's like, give me a break. But also it comes down to, they want to maintain control of love and and maintain their cut of games that you buy. So to that end, Google has- I get it. I totally get the monetary reasons. To your point, there should be a regulatory action taken that says, just like anything else, if I own a computer and it's mine, I paid for it, and I want to install software on it, I should be able to install the software on it. They don't have to make special allowances for the software. They just have to make it possible. They have to make a mode of my phone that says, I can say, allow this thing to be installed as long as it runs on this, you know, if it runs on this hardware. Well, because they don't, Google had to go around Apple and create what is called a progressive web app, which is a web app that is uh, at a level that it it, it can function very similar to a a native app. Yeah, but it's not. But But it isn't. and it's, and it, you it's have essentially to jump a, a web wrapper. It's a wrapped, you know, web page essentially. Yes, and you have to jump through some hoops. You have to go to stadia.google.com, tap the share yeah, arrow, tap it's add to home screen. It is user. It is it is bad for users. If you can regulate one thing on these devices, it's that you should be able to install the software you want to install on it. If anything, the the M1 MacBook is the greatest argument in the world that what Apple's doing on their dev- on their on their phones and tablets is is absolutely outrageous. If you're telling me that the same chip, essentially the same architecture that powers your phones and your tablets, that they could, I can run whatever software I want on my MacBook, but if I switch over to my my iPad, I'm suddenly- You're on a baby. I'm, restra- on a baby I'm restrained, I'm, I'm held back, and yet I can run iPad apps on my MacBook. It's like, this. it doesn't make any sense. Their argument just completely breaks down. I mean, what is their argument? Their argument can only be is that we want to continue to have a monopoly. They cannot make the we believe what's best for users because that would be painting every single user with the same stroke. And that's that's unfair to the user base. It's this is so user aggressive. It is outrageous. Well, it's also you know Stadia didn't exist when I got into the Apple ecosystem. So then when it came comes to exist, Apple now can turn around and say, well, you're not allowed to have it. And I'm like, well, I I want to have it, and I already bought your thing. I can't go back and return it now, can I? And they're like, no. If you want to play with Stadia, you'll have to go buy an Android phone, which is just like a crazy. So Google does this workaround where you can play it through yeah, a but- Safari wrapper. To Google's credit. It works really well. I mean, Google found a way to make I don't, it work. But I don't understand. I don't understand the argument here. If Netflix can, if I can download Netflix and stream Netflix films, and or even stream, and Netflix interactive content, intera- right? I was gonna say in, Netflix has interactive content, which plays part kind of like a game. What's the difference between a Netflix choose your own adventure movie and Telltale? What's the difference? Zelda plays like Boss Baby interactive episodes on her iPad, and it's basically like a game to her. So you're telling me that I can do that on Netflix, but and oh by the way, uh, she has all these apps like kids apps that are like 
oh, they have shows, but they also have these like mini games in them, which she plays all the time. They're not being purchased through the App Store. Nope. In fact, I'm, some of them I think are stuff that I subscribe to that are completely separate from the App Store, like not through the App Store. I mean, Store. you can do remote access to a computer. Shadow does this. A remote access to a Shadow PC that you rent every month and you can play v games through it, but only because it launches you into an interface where you have to click to open the game. So it's technically yeah, but, a remote but, desktop but, and not but a what game I'm streaming is, thing. Like this is Stadia such bullshit. It's such nonsense. But Stadia, but Stadia wouldn't be installing the games as an icon, an app on my phone. No, right? it, it, would would be essentially, be, it would just be creating like app. an interface to go to a library yes right this is insane i mean the the idea that we have to jump through hoops to let them have an app that does exactly what netflix does except you can use a bluetooth controller to play games on it it should be an outrage to everyone now a message from our sponsor want to hear more from ryan and joshua then stay tuned for today's second story Last week, Nintendo emailed me to inform me they no longer wanted to collaborate with me on my channel or at all. They even asked me to please remove any mention of the Nintendo brand ambassador program from your social channels, bios, email signatures, etc. Essentially saying, you do not work with us anymore. You are not uh, a Nintendo brand ambassador anymore. So please don't tell anyone that you are. Nintendo's relationship with its fans has been on a slow downward spiral as of late. In 2020, despite booming fan culture, Nintendo has kept its most vocal customers at arm's length through legal maneuvers and an army of PR people. According to a recent story by Samuel Poe, here are InputMag.com editor Ryan Houlihan and editor-in-chief Joshua Topolsky discussing this turn of events. Nintendo has always had a difficult relationship with the internet. They've always struggled to understand online gaming. They've struggled to understand how people shop on the internet. They do not like like game syncing between platforms. They don't like backing up cloud saves for games that they think they need control over, like Animal Crossing. They don't want people to cheat by like cloning their island or whatever. Like they're very, very scared of the internet. And for a long time, Nintendo had this program called the Partner Program, and that was the only way that if you were a YouTuber, you could paste any footage of Nintendo games on the internet and you would have to give them a cut of your earnings. It was obviously very onerous and not common in the game industry. It was a very weird thing about Nintendo. They were forced to retire that in 2018 because creators just like, it's impossible to control that. We have a piece on the site by Samuel Poley. They've spent the last year basically deciding that they were gonna declare war on the internet, esports, their biggest fans. I mean, they've cut ties with huge YouTubers who are completely dedicated to Nintendo and are nothing but positive because they did something like make a video of like weird Zelda mods that people made for older games. They have sued Melee esports players because they were playing the, because of the pandemic, they can't play in person on physical game cubes. So uh, they did a workaround where it's perfectly legal to rip a game from a disc, which they did and run it in an emulator, which they did. But what, but they were trying to use the software to do online gaming with it and sort of be making it so that Melee, which is obviously not an online game could be played from people's homes to keep them safe. And Nintendo stepped in and shut all of that down. Now, 
legally they don't need to do this. This is not like like you know Disney has full control of the over the Disney Princess line, right? But people still sell buttons or have fan meetups or talk about Disney princesses on the internet, and Disney doesn't come sue them because obviously right. that's not in Disney's best interest to piss off those people. Well, they definitely they sue some people, but I think it has to rise to a certain level. It needs right? I mean, to be, be like there is a whole Etsy community where they make Disney inspired stuff. If you're using like the name. Ariel, the Little Mermaid. Yes, they will tell you, please don't use that name. But they're not going to try to right. shut down like the groups of adults that get together and like, come up with Disney-inspired outfits and go on Disney trips together. Like that's good for them, and that's good advertising, and it's good fan relations. Nintendo has now shut down a Splatoon festival that they were running that had their approval because the players there had expressed online that they thought that they were unfair to the melee tournament. There was a Twitch streamer named Atika who committed suicide, and obviously it was very tragic, and the community was mourning, and the people that were close with Atika created these Atikons, which were these Joy-Con shells, these little snap-on plastic pieces that were in his memory and themed by his channel. And they used it to raise money towards the Jed Foundation, which supports mental health of teenagers and young adults. But they jokingly called themselves the Joy-Con boys with a Z when they right. put together the like fundraiser and Nintendo shut them down. And it's a step beyond like Sony shut down people who are making fake PS five side panels, obviously because it's a safety issue. Those things can overheat. Um, they were trying to make money on Sony's trademarks and copyrights. And obviously Sony has its own licensing situation where you can create accessories for the PS five. And these people tried to go around it. Obviously that's a very different situation than fans creating bespoke custom paint jobs to raise money for like young people who commit suicide it's it, and nintendo i mean this is part of a pattern where i i think it's bad for them as a company but i yeah, also think it's yeah. really bad for like the industry like it's a bad precedent to set that like you're not allowed to play a game competitively unless you have that company's approval is like not a I mean, I, I think they're just out of touch. I mean, I think that, you know, they're, they're a classic company that in some ways they're a lot like Apple. The way of running their business is reminiscent of what Apple does, which is like they kind of are behind the curve in terms of where audiences, where users and where sort of culture is going. They are an important mega focal point of culture and yet have this weird blind spot for what's like coming, what's around the curve, right? It's like they're so busy focused on their own pet projects that they can't see what's happening around them. I think they may fail to see where the value of their brand is. I think in some ways, Apple may have a different idea of what is valuable about Apple than what people think is valuable about Apple. Like we've all been doing this for a while and now it's like time to rethink some of the kind of the base level notions that we all had about how this is supposed to work. And I think companies are either going to be able to adapt or they're going to fight it and they're going to find themselves in a really difficult position. I think you have to be open to adapting. And with the way Apple's doing things and the way Nintendo's doing things, it's going to be very hard to sustain the more the audience moves on and away from that, that way of thinking. And that's increasingly happening. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Houlihan and Joshua at Joshua Topolsky. I am at Mark Yarm. For more news from the world of tech and culture, visit InputMag.com. You can click on the links in the show notes for the stories we discussed today. A huge thank you for all the listeners out there. And I hope 2021 is your year. Input. Output.